the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Good morning, glory, America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. It's Hugh Hewitt. Good morning to you. It's Thursday. I'm in the ReliefFactor.com studio out west. The United States launched a fourth-round of airstrikes against Houthi rebels in Yemen last night. Meanwhile, Pakistan has bombed Iran this morning. So it's a tense world when you wake up today. Visiting the northern border of his country, the head of the Israeli Defense Forces, Lieutenant General Hirzi al-Avi, said, um, a war is likely coming in Lebanon, could start very soon, we're not sure. There is a big column in the Times of Israel by David Horowitz, uh, why the IDF's war against Hamas has lost momentum. Uh, I can tell you why that is. It's called the United States of America and let him fight. It is the saddest birthday in the world. Baby Kafir turns one, if indeed Baby Kafir is alive in the uh, uh, tunnels of Gaza. At Davos, the gathering of the super wealthy and the would-be world runners, President Herzog of Israel held up a picture of Baby Kafir and said, don't talk to us about peace talks. We're in no mood. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu told uh, Tony Blinken to pound sand yesterday. Uh, Tony Blinken brought a Saudi plan for normalization in return for an end of the war. And the prime minister said, we're going to kill Hamas. Israel's war isn't about revenge, Seth Mandel writes in today's commentary. And he's right. It's about preserving their citizens and the safety of their state. Now, later in the program, I'll be joined by... Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, and I will cover political news in a moment. But the most important news remains the fact that the West is under attack by Iran all over the place. Wake up. Which brings me to we have friends in that war, Israel and Ukraine, and we need to support them. Putin and Iran work for China and the big three, China, Russia and Iran are against us. We need to do three things. We need to fund Israel, we need to fund Ukraine, and we need to build a border wall and change our immigration laws. That's a pretty straightforward proposition. They had a meeting at the White House yesterday. Speaker Johnson said, this isn't going to work because you're going to try and sell me on supporting Israel, which is good, and supporting Ukraine, which is good, but you're not going to build the border wall. And sure enough, that's what they rolled out. And he went down there, and Johnson cast out on it, saying, we're not doing this. And... I have a column at Fox News this morning. My Morning Glory column comes out Tuesdays and Thursday morning on foxnews.com. No border wall, no deal on Israel and Ukraine. I will come back to that in the second segment. Did you know that 91%, 91% of Republicans want a border wall? A long, strong, big 900-mile border wall. They want that. They believe it is crucial to America's national security. You cannot have a deal with the Democrats on a protect America and the West basis 
without building that border wall. And if the Democrats say no, it's on them. It's that simple. Fourteen House Democrats joined the Republicans yesterday to rebuke President Biden on the border. Mr. Newt backs the GOP border deal. Stand firm, he says. Uh, And I know Leader McConnell isn't the fellow drafting this deal. He's stuck with what some senators came up with, but he's the guy who can save it. Leader McConnell is the best legislative Republican leader of my lifetime. He's the guy who saved the Constitution by holding open the vacancy when Justice Scalia died. He has kept the tax cuts in place. He's walked a lot of fine lines, and I trust Mitch here. And here he's got to say to the Democrats, we get nothing unless you build that wall, and our team knows what you've got to put in there. Which is notwithstanding any other law or regulation, including but not limited to the National Environmental Policy Act, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, the Endangered Species Act, any treaty with a sovereign Indian tribe, any treaty with a sovereign nation. We will build a wall, add in specs, of the 900 miles on this map using fiscal year $24, reprogrammed from these accounts or supplemented in this amount of money, construction to begin immediately, construction to be completed by August 31st. It will be hard. It will be not that hard. We're America. This is not rocket science. This is putting up a wall. And Donald Trump has the blueprint. And yes, it's not perfect, but it is the visible expression of the invisible reserve. Now, on to politics. There was a shakeup in the DeSantis operation yesterday. I'll talk to him about that, although I don't like process stories. I think he's hanging around until Super Tuesday. He's going to try and he's not going to compete in New Hampshire. Uh, I think he's hoping on President Trump winning in New Hampshire. I think if I'm a DeSantis supporter, I'd vote for Donald Trump in New Hampshire. Take Nikki off the board because she can't win New Hampshire, can't win anywhere. She's not campaigning. Cancel debates, won't show up on this show. I don't know what she's doing. And you hope that Trump takes her off the board there, and then that Trump wins South Carolina. And then it's Trump on DeSantis come Super Tuesday on March 5th, uh, when there are 14 states, March 12th, and when there are five. But I'll confirm that with her. Wall Street Journal this morning, Nikki Haley has a South Carolina problem. Her home state is Trump country. Also in the Wall Street in the Financial Times, Nikki Haley steps up attacks on Donald Trump as a Republican race moves to New Hampshire. Too bad nobody can hear those attacks. Opinion by Mark Thiessen, what a Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis win would probably look like. And yes, it's not over. I'm not talking health event. I think former President Trump is the healthiest, as healthy as anyone in the field. The infirm guy is in the White House, which is unfortunate. Um, And yesterday, the Department of Justice acknowledged that Hunter Biden's laptop is real. Its contents match the Apple iCloud backup. Been four years. Department of Justice acknowledged it yesterday. It's real. Remember the letter from the 51 spooks? Oh, this is Russian disinformation. I think whoever the Republican nominee is going to win, and they're going to win because they're disgusted with the overparty, not the uniparty, there are two parties in this country, the overparty, the elites in Washington, New York, Los Angeles, and Silicon Valley. They're disgusted with media. They're disgusted with the Democrats lying. They're disgusted with the Department of Justice being corrupt. Arguments at the Supreme Court yesterday considered 
the Chevron Doctrine. You've heard me talk about it long. Paul Clement gave the argument. Paul Clement's been a guest on this show. Let me give you a little bit of the argument from yesterday in this first segment. I think we've got a little bit. Yeah, Neil Gorsuch, cut number 23. Chevron, you emphasize, is, is value neutral, and it'll sometimes favor industries that are regulated and sometimes favor the government. And I can certainly see that in, in scenarios where we talk about the flip-flop of administrations and um, new people leave, come in and replace others, and, and um, there's a lot of movement from industry in and out of those agencies. Uh, I think George Stigler talked about regulatory capture. And I, I don't worry in a Chevron regime about those people. They can take care of themselves. Okay, there is political accountability. Fine. The cases I saw routinely on the courts of appeals, and I think this is what niggles at so many of the lower court judges, are the immigrant, the veteran seeking his benefits, the Social Security disability applicant, who have no power to influence agencies, who will never capture them, and whose interests are not the sorts of things on which people vote, generally speaking. And there, Chevron is almost always, and in fact, I, I didn't see a case cited, and perhaps I missed one, where Chevron wound up benefiting those kinds of peoples. And it seems to me that it's arguable, and certainly the other side makes this argument powerfully, that Chevron has this disparate impact on different classes of persons. He's absolutely right. Chevron hates the little guy. I think Chevron is dead. In another really surprised decision, Maine courts delayed the Maine Secretary of State from telling you you can't vote for Trump. What a shocker. You mean a bureaucrat in a state can't take the presidential ballot and tear it up? What a surprise. Only a leftist from the ACLU, which is what she is, could have concluded otherwise. Chinese lab, according to new documents, mapped the deadly coronavirus two weeks they knew about it two weeks before they told the world. And at Davos, Millier, or Millier, the new president of Argentina, warned the world that the West is in danger. Oh, this just in as well. A federal complaint for anti-Semitism has been filed with the Office of Civil Rights at the Department of Education against the American University. And my favorite headline of the morning in the Wall Street Journal, Harvard is trying to smooth things over with Silicon Valley. Endowment Brass meets with venture capitalists to address concerns about campus turmoil. That's exactly how it's supposed to work, isn't it? Harvard is supposed to work with Silicon Valley to make sure your life is run the way you don't want it run. Harvard and Silicon Valley. Vote Republican. Your life depends upon it. Stay tuned. Good morning, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. About 90% back from laryngitis. By the end of the show, Governor DeSantis will be joining me later in the program. I will have enough left to ask questions, and then by tomorrow, I hope it will be ready to go 100% next week. Every Tuesday and every Thursday morning, I file a column with foxnews.com. I still write for The Post, uh, but that's every few weeks. I write twice a week for the foxnews.com folks. My column this morning, it's always called Morning Glory, is entitled No Border Wall, No Deal on Israel and Ukraine. And it reads thus. 91% of Republicans support building the wall, close quote. That's a poll from The Hill in October. 91% of Republicans support building of the wall. That's the policy and political reality I write. 
behind the about-to-emerge immigration compromise negotiated between President Biden, Senate Democrats, and a handful of Republican senators. But it is the reality the Senate Republicans are about to ignore, and not merely ignore, but actually demonstrate contempt for, and the party that elected them. The, quote, supplemental bill about to emerge promises to be a complete disaster for the grand old party. One of the books, one for the books. There is still time for Leader McConnell to lead a retrograde movement away from the fiasco. McConnell has pulled off many miracles before. He's the best legislative leader the GOP has had in my lifetime. He saved the Constitution with his refusal to allow hearings on the Supreme Court vacancy following the death of Justice Scalia. McConnell preserved the First Amendment through litigation over decades. He put together crucial Senate majorities only to see lesser political talents destroy them with party nominees that he told everyone could not win. McConnell got former President Trump elected because of the leader's no hearings on no any nominee stance, which made Trump's list of potential Supreme Court nominees the key to the upset win in 2016 by the former president. McConnell will work with Trump again for the good of the republic. McConnell's two best pieces of advice, first you have to win, and you can start too late but never start too early, are worth the cost of his brilliant memoir, The Long Game. Will McConnell save the GOP once more? We need to get Israel aid. We need to get Ukraine aid. We need to secure the southern border. These are all pressing national security needs. They are of equal importance to America. If we send the wrong sort of aid to Israel or Ukraine, it will not help them win. If we don't build the 900 miles of, 900 miles of wall where it is needed on the 2,000 miles of southern border, Americans will continue to die from fentanyl. More millions will walk across the U.N. encountered, uh, along with the 8 million who have been encountered, unencountered, will walk across unencountered, along with the 8 million who have been encountered in the three years of the Biden border era. The wall isn't one of the five things that needs doing. It is the first thing that must be done if the other things that need to be done are going to work. The wall is a necessary but not sufficient national security measure. To repeat, it is the first thing that must be done. Other things are useful. More border patrol, more return flights, more detention facilities, more administrative law judges, changes to the actual asylum and refugee law. All of it. But none of it matters without the wall. The wall is the, quote, signal amid the noise. It actually gets the message out to the endless column of millions trudging north. That message is closed, saved by appointment. This is not a hardliner position. It is a moderate position. Most moderates on immigration reform, including me, are people who want to care for the stranger when they get here. Most of us are aware that only a small percentage of the millions crossing illegally are undoubtedly dangerous. But they are dangerous indeed. And those who engage in human smuggling are depraved. While possible terrorists could, should be understood as 10-7 types. We moderates are also concerned with innocence caught up in this river of misery that, is, that has to be damned before those on this side of the border can be helped. If Democrats say no to the wall, then it is no. And the GOP walks away from the talks, explains why, and campaigns on the wall. All three remaining possible GOP presidential nominees want the wall. 
The Senate candidates, the GOP needs to win the 2024 election. The 2025 majority all want the wall. Only a handful of senators and their staffs have persuaded themselves the wall isn't necessary. Wake up. It is necessary. And the 91% are not wrong. Please, Senate GOP, the momentum of a terrible ride is no reason to stay on a runaway train. Get off now. Walk away. I'm Hugh Hewitt. I'll be right back. I want to remind everyone, a great sponsor of the program is MyPhDWeightLoss.com. Generalissimo went on that program more than a year ago, lost 50 pounds. He's kept it off. And uh, stress eating is not allowed, I don't believe, even though we're under a lot of... Uh, sure uh, tempted uh, to this week, aren't we? Uh, everybody is. I, but, but we don't... They, I'm sure they give you tricks of the trade to combat that because that's one of the habits. You broke that habit. You're not going by Del Taco or Taco no. Bell. Have not. No. You haven't relapsed. Have not relapsed. And um, that is a, and it's healthy, it's wise, it's yes. productive. 864-644-1900. That's 864-644-1900. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida joins me. Good morning, Governor. Welcome back. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Yesterday, Loper Bright was on the docket at the Supreme Court. You're one of the few people I don't have to really brief about Chevron deference. How important is it that Chevron deference be overturned, Governor? Well, I think it would restore the, the proper structure of the Constitution. Uh, what the Supreme Court has essentially greenlit over uh, many, many decades is the idea that uh, the executive branch, uh, and then now it's turned into a permanent fourth branch of government with the bureaucracy, that they basically can, can make law and they get to uh, uh, implement laws in ways that Congress may never have intended. But the court should just step out of it and say that the executive bureaucrats or, or experts and, and let that happen. And that has caused a huge amount of power to flow to the unelected bureaucracy. So, so uh, reversing Chevron deference, I think, restores a proper sense of checks and balances. What do you make of Sheldon Whitehouse and Dick Durbin and other Democrats continuing attack on our Supreme Court justices, all of them? Does it endanger their lives? Does it endanger the court? They are trying, so they have now, it's a, at least a nominal 6-3 majority. I mean, there's only three reliable liberal justices for them. Uh, you know, how reliable the other six depend on the issue, but bottom line is they know that they are likely to lose most of the big cases at this point. So they're just trying to delegitimize the court um, in the eyes of the public. I do think if Democrats sweep in, uh, they will try to, to pack the Supreme Court after the 2024 election and add a bunch of new liberal justices. And I think 
they're trying to drive uh, particular justices like T- Clarence Thomas off the court uh, by attacking him on all these things that, you know, they say, oh, he had gifts. And then you look, and Sotomayor had way more, and they don't say anything about that. So I think it's no question it's an orchestrated effort, not just with a few U.S. senators, uh, but also from uh, these liberal groups. Now, Governor DeSantis, yesterday, Senate Democrats and President Biden presented Speaker Johnson with a proposed deal at the White House, funding for Ukraine, funding for Taiwan, funding for Israel, and some minor changes to border law. Uh, Speaker Johnson said no. I, I want this rejected unless there are 900 miles of border wall authorized in a way that cannot be avoided and constructed with current dollars. What do you think of the, the deal that was offered? What do you think Speaker Johnson should say? Yeah, it should be dead on arrival. Uh, We have an unprecedented crisis at our border where we've had over 8 million people come in illegally from all over the world, including from hostile nations with hostile populations. Uh, And yet uh, Biden is basically just green lighting it when he's asked for money in the past. It hasn't been to stop the illegal immigration. It's been to process more illegals. And we're now in a situation where New York City is closing down a school, sending the kids home so that they can commandeer it to house illegal aliens. It's crazy. And of course, this has made us vulnerable uh, to terrorist attacks. So I think the Republicans should insist on the, the border problem being solved. I mean, I do think that that means border wall, but I also think that that means uh, cleaning up the, uh, the the legal language that has uh, allowed him to abuse his power like parole uh, and the like, and they should just hold firm. The public is with the Republicans on this. This is Biden's issue. Of all the issues that he's uh, handling, and he's unpopular on most, this one is like the worst. He's got the worst ratings that any president has ever had on immigration and the border. You guys can win this fight. Just hold firm. Now, I believe the border wall is the signal amid the noise. When I say that, what's that mean to you, Governor? Well, I mean, I think if if, if a deal were to have uh, actual money to actually fully construct the wall, then you would know that that's a, that's a deal that at least is moving in the direction of being serious about the border. I mean, if you don't have that, uh, then you, you know that they're not going to probably do anything, because even if they did make legal changes, Biden would not necessarily do. And that's why I want a wall. I've always supported the wall. I mean, I supported when President Trump promised the wall, because it's a physical fact of life. You're going to have administrations that may not be dedicated to border security, but that wall is there. If you don't have a wall, then you're basically putting all your eggs in the basket of executive discretion. And with Obama, we saw how that worked. And now with with Biden, we're seeing it in disastrous consequences. One more uh, question, Governor. Like me, you're an Ivy League guy and you doubled down. I went to Michigan for law school. There's a headline in The Wall Street Journal today. Harvard is trying to smooth things over with Silicon Valley. Endowment brass meet with venture capitalists to address concerns about campus turmoil. I recoiled from that. How do you react to that headline? Well, look, uh, these guys that have given so much money to these universities, you know, a lot of them claim, you know, they don't like to see these Hamas protests. They don't like the DEI. They don't like a lot of this stuff. But, you know, this isn't new. I mean, I think the post, uh, post-October post 7th uh, stuff that happened on campus, that kind of brought it more in our faces. But I think people that have been following this have known that these universities have lost their way for a long time. And I know some donors are pulling back. And, and that's the only way these, these institutions are going to change. Uh, with with withholding the checks because that's what they need to function and as of now you know they've always been able to go and get someone you know to write a hundred million dollar check uh, and as long as that happens I don't think the culture of the universities are going to change 
What slapped me about this is it's elites talking to elites about how to fix the elites' problems. It's not talking about what college should do or what America needs. It's elites talking to elites, and I'm sick of it. Well, I'll tell you, in Florida, we just made, we said, look, the, our universities are funded by the people of Florida with tax dollars, and so they don't have the right to just do whatever the hell they want to do. Uh, they need to be focused on a mission that is advancing the well-being of the people of Florida and the best interests of the state. And so we've done things like all tenured professors have to undergo post-tenure review every five years, and then they can be terminated for poor performance. We eliminated DEI from our public universities, and we basically said the per- purpose of higher ed is not to impose ideology. It's not political or social activism. It's the pursuit of truth. It's the high, high academic standards and preparing students to be citizens of the republic. So we've had success in like, we have a liberal, liberal arts college down in Sarasota, New College. It had been basically like a Marxist commune. I put seven conservatives on the board of trustees. They've overhauled the curriculum. They're bringing in more uh, diverse, uh, intellectually diverse set of professors. And they said, our mission is to be a classical liberal arts uh, college, similar to like a Hillsdale in Michigan. So we're leaning in on that in Florida. And you know what's happened, Hugh? Huge amount of interest from parents all around the country uh, when they see that, that we're doing that, because I think a lot of parents out there are like, okay, you spend 18 years instilling values in your in your kids, and then what? They go to a university, and it's all undone uh, in four years. And so when they see what we're doing in Florida is really kind of getting away from that model, which I think has been a failed model of higher education and restoring a classical model of higher education, there's a lot of interest from this. And so we, we're, we've really benefited by, by charting this course. We've got more that we're going to do, but it's exciting. Now, now let's turn to politics, Governor. My assessment is you're hoping Donald Trump wins New Hampshire and South Carolina and that you are there on Tuesday, March the 5th in Super Tuesday, 16 states. On March the 12th, four states. On March the 19th, five states. But you don't want Nikki Haley to win and you want DeSantis supporters to support Trump in New Hampshire on Tuesday. Am I correct? Well, here's the thing. I don't think it's a, it's a question of hope. I mean, I was on the ground doing town halls in, in uh, New Hampshire the last two days. Um, you know, Nikki Haley cannot compete with Donald Trump there. Uh, and the fact that she can't do it there, she can't do it anywhere. Um, she's certainly not going to do it in South Carolina. I did a rally. We, we had town halls uh, Tuesday afternoon and evening, one on CNN scheduled for the day after Iowa. So I, I had the morning where we were basically just going to get a little bit of uh, re, uh, you know recuperation. But I was like, you know what? Let's just let's just use that time. So we went to South Carolina and did, did a rally. There were like a thousand people. I said, "Hey, can you tell me what were the major accomplishments of Nikki Haley when she was governor?" I did not have anyone raise their hand. Um, that is not going to be a state that that is conducive for. I, I know she was governor there, but I mean it's a conservative state. Obviously, Trump has a very strong strong foothold there. So so I, I, that's just the reality. New Hampshire is a momentum state. I mean, our view on this was, you know, we were going to, uh, you know, do do, do Iowa. And then that would be how we would do New Hampshire. Now, obviously, they spent massive amounts of money against me to try to knock me out. I came in second, but Trump had a good, you know, he had a good showing uh, in terms of him winning the nomination. I will say this, though. I mean, uh, in terms of, you know, who, you know, how do you start off the process? Clearly, when, when you win um, Iowa by, by the amount he did, you know, that's, that's what you want to be doing if, you, if you're going to win the nomination. But, you know, half the Iowans voted, voted, the, voted for someone else, and the turnout was so abysmal. And I don't think it was just the weather. I was out there. Look, I'm a Florida guy. I, I don't do negative temperatures ever, <laughs> and I was trudging through that. 
and, and I get that why that would why that would affect. But but if you look, there was 110,000 people that showed up. 186,000 voted in 2016, but there were 20,000 independents and 7,000 Democrats, mostly voting for Haley, who came. So that means there were about uh, less than 85,000 Republicans even participated. I think that's a warning sign for the party uh, going forward uh, into the fall. And I think one of the issues we had was you know, there was so much negative coming in, particularly against me, that I think it turned some people off from even participating. And then I think there's some other folks who, who were just like, well, you know, the media says Trump's got it. And so they just kind of checked out uh, from the process. Um, so it, it was it was not a good, I think, night for Republicans if you're looking forward to November uh, of, of 2024. Are you staying in through all of March's races? Is there any way Ron DeSantis drops out before the end of March? Look, my my goal is to is is to win the, win the nomination. Um, you know, we, if had we won Iowa, we would have been in a great spot. You know, coming in second gives us the ticket to continue. But uh, I, I I told my people this from the very beginning. I don't want to be VP. I don't want to be in the cabinet. I don't want a TV show. Uh, I'm 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 in it to win it. And at some point, you know, if that's not working out for you, like I re- I recognize that this isn't a vanity thing for me. But I do believe that uh, you know we have an opportunity in November uh, to do very, very well. I also think that there's pitfalls uh, by, by choosing the course that, that, that the party uh, faithful chose in Iowa. And I don't think any of that's changed. I don't think that their people are necessarily talking about it. Um, there's a lot of sense on the Republican side that somehow, um, you know, Biden will, will win. Anyone can win like a, a Reagan landslide against Biden. Um, and they haven't even started. The Dems haven't even started. They're going to drop billions of dollars. And what they want to run on is they want to run on all the stuff surrounding Donald Trump, January 6th, all the legal issues. That's what they want to run on. Um, and the question is, is that going to be effective with those independent voters uh, that we need to win? I can tell you in Florida, we showed how to win all of those people. Uh, but, but Governor, before we go to the break, are you in through the end of March? Do you have the money and the staff and the ability to compete through the oh, end of March? Y- yes, on that, 100 percent. We can do that. Okay, I'm going to come right back from break. I'm talking with Governor Ron DeSantis. We're going to talk some more politics and horse race uh, because I've done the substance. i got some more substance to do, but I'm going to take a break. I'll come back and play it for you on the other side. Don't go anywhere except over to uh, HughHewitt.com where we will put up the audio and the transcript of this interview with Governor Ron DeSantis. Again, New Hampshire votes on Tuesday, South Carolina in February, and then on March the 5th, 16 states vote. On March the 12th, four states vote. On March the 19th, five states vote, at which point the Republicans will have their nominee. I'll ask Governor Sanders coming back if he will name a running mate early and will he name a cabinet. And we'll talk about the administrative state's uh, attempt to uh, get Trump. Stay tuned. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back. I'm joined by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Governor DeSantis, I want to run through the trials that people know about. The Jean Carroll trial, which I think is a joke and will be overturned. Letitia James and the wild judge in New York, which I think is a joke and will be overturned against the former president. The Alvin Bragg indictment in Manhattan, I think, is a joke. I think the Fannie Wills uh, trial in in Georgia is now revealed as at least brought for corrupt purposes, meaning money for her lover. And I think Jack Smith has invented wholly new theories out of whole cloth in D.C. The Mar-a-Lago case is different. Colorado Supreme Court, illegitimate, throwing Trump off the ballot. A Maine secretary of state throwing Trump off the ballot. Was this a plan to get the former president nominated or a series of improbable prosecutions that just happened? 
you know, I don't know what the what the plan in terms of did they did they know what the impact was, but there's no question when the Bragg case was brought, you know, that that supercharged him uh, with, with Republican voters. I mean, you see it very clearly. I saw it in real time. You know, I was like getting ready to run. I didn't know what was going to happen and whether that was just a blip or what. And then I got into the race. You know, we did a you know, week or two and, and we were we were doing well. And then the, the Mar-a-Lago uh, documents, uh, indictments came down and that totally blotted everything uh, out of the news. And it was all about that uh, going forward. And then, of course, they did the D.C. stuff. So I, I don't know whether it was a plan. I think that they, they just have a base that is hardwired to hate Trump. I mean, that has been the number one animating feature for their political party uh, since he took office in 2017. And that's how they energize their voters. And that's how they get them get them out to vote. Uh, and so I think that there was just like someone like Alvin Bragg, you know, he's got a lot of left wing voters that are like, just do something against Trump. And so he, he does this, the, the dumb um, um, hush money case, which was many years ago outside the statute of limitations. And then even if you're going to do it, it was misdemeanors uh, that he's converting into felonies. Um, and it's like, OK, uh, if you were just a normal person in Manhattan, would they have brought that case? And I think it's it, the answer to that question is 100 percent no. So when people see that there's something like that Bragg case that, that was unique to Trump, um, you know, I think he gets sympathy as a result of that, um, you know, going forward. Now, I don't know how independent voters view that stuff, uh, but certainly with core Republicans, you know, they see a corrupt prosecutor. Okay, so, so my last question for you, Governor, uh, you deployed in Iraq with the SEALs as their legal advisor. You know, they do a hot wash after every mission. You've been at this for a year and a half now. What errors did you make that you're willing to say, I shouldn't have done this, but I'm going to correct it going forward and I'm going to do well in March? Well, look, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, we uh, presidential campaigns are a lot about about media. Like, you know, I spent a lot of time on the ground in Iowa and, and it's good. And when you meet people, you convert them. But there's just so many voters out there that you got to do. And I came in uh, not really doing as much media. Um, I should have just been blanketing. I should have gone on all the corporate sh- shows. I should have gone on everything. I started doing that as we got into the end of the summer, um, and we did it. But we had an opportunity, I think, to come out of the gate and do that and reach a much broader folk. Now I'm everywhere. I mean, I'll show up uh, wherever. wherever. I-, I committed to do the debate tonight on WMUR and ABC in New Hampshire. I'm the only one that was uh, that's willing to debate. I've done these televised town halls. I go out and take questions from voters. You know, I think that. That's good. I'm the only one that's not at this point running a basement campaign. Biden's running a basement campaign. Trump won't debate, won't take questions from voters. And now Haley won't debate and won't take uh, questions from uh, voters. Governor, so, quick so, question. I will offer whoever the nominee is, because I'm in neutral, an hour a week on the radio for 475 stations. Will you take that offer if you're the nominee? Yeah, and you know what I would like to do, too, is if, if you want to open up for questions from your audience, I'd be happy to come uh, and field questions from the audience. I'll tell you, I, I've enjoyed that part of this process to just talk to, to, to uh, American citizens, voters that really care about the future of this country. And you notice a huge difference between the questions that kind of the, the New York media, media asks versus what, what, what individual voters ask. That was a good part of this process. I wish that had more weight in terms of in terms of you know getting support but it but it was really fun thank you governor ron DeSantis. keep coming back we'll talk to you throughout march as your campaign continues thank you bye 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.